love you, church family. We have the best church because of you guys. People is what makes a church. And I just love Sunday mornings. I love Sunday mornings to come see you all. And we just have the best people. So Merry Christmas. I'm one of those that I really feel like you should not put up Christmas decorations until Thanksgiving is over. We should really celebrate Thanksgiving. Okay, let me just say this. We are the only country that together gives thanks to God for our country. Thanksgiving and being thankful is so powerful. And I don't like shortcutting that. And I I love Christmas. We have plenty of time. So anyways, you do what you want, but in our house, our tree does not go up until after Thanksgiving. Um, So Merry Christmas. We're going to really be talking about Jesus a lot this month because that is our focus. It's actually always our focus. Everything is about Jesus. He did everything for us, and we're so grateful. So this morning, we are going to be in our Word a lot. So if you have your Bibles, um, open up to Romans 5, and then I'm going to pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you live in us. You never leave us or forsake us, but we love the tangible manifestation of your presence when we come together to worship you. We thank you for peace and joy and all of those things that you've given us. I pray this morning as I teach that we would feel your love come upon us. You would baptize us in your love. We would understand how good you are. We thank you for the word of God that's living and breathing and it's alive and it's always relevant and it's always powerful. We love the word of God. It's the foundation of our life. We build our life on your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will breathe on the word today and make it so personal to each one of us. I just pray even now, Holy Spirit, as I teach, would you make this message so personal to each one of us? You know everybody's heart. You know their life. You know what they're going through. You would take the word of God and plant it in our hearts. And we ask for a great harvest from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I'm going to read Romans 5. Romans 5 is one of my favorite chapters, so I'm going to read it in two different translations this morning. So Romans 5, I'm going to start with verse 6, and I'm going to go to 11. You ready? When we were utterly helpless, Christ came just at the right time and died for us sinners. Now, no one is likely to die for a good person, though someone might be willing to die For those who are especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die while we were still sinners. Verse 9. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Jesus, he will certainly save us from God's judgment. For since we were restored to friendship with God by the death of his son, why we are his enemies... We certainly will be delivered from eternal punishment by his life. 
So now we rejoice in this wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, making us friends of God. So powerful. Okay, let's, uh, let's read this in the Passion Translation. Verse 6. Romans 5, starting with verse 6. When the time was right, the anointed one came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, powerless to save themselves. Now, who of us would dare die for the sake of a wicked person? We all understand if somebody would be willing to die for a truly noble person. But Christ proved God's passionate love. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were lost and ungodly. And there's so much more, of to, so much more to say of his unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. I want to stop there real quick. When we get saved, you know, we live in such a natural realm. We're, we're so in our senses all the time, you know. But the spiritual realm is so much more real. It's where we're from. It's where we're going. The invisible realm is what, 96%? And we live in 4% of the earthly reality. Are you following me? When we get saved, this is what it's saying. When we get saved, you know, the blood of Jesus, Hebrews, Hebrews says, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word over us. This is being announced in the spiritual realm, what's taking place. So when we get saved, the blood of Jesus is coming in, and there's a declaration over our life saying, you are righteous. And, and though you may not hear it, all of the demons, the enemy hears it. We are marked with the righteousness of God because of what Jesus said. So when it says, through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. That is great news. <laughs> Say, I will never experience the wrath of God. Because of what Jesus has done. That's <sighs> so powerful. Thank you, Jesus. So, so while we we're still enemies, God fully, God fully reconciled us to him through the death of his son. Something greater than friendship is now ours. Because when we were his enemies, he called us friends. But when we're saved, we go to sons and daughters of the Most High. Now we are at peace with God because we share in his resurrection life. How much more will we be rescued from sin's dominion? Ah, so powerful. Okay, so the title of my message this morning is Risky Business, God's Great Love for Us. Jesus loved us fully. He took all risks to love us, even though he knows that some of us will never respond to that love. He died for everyone, put himself out there, not knowing if we would, some people would never respond, knowing that some people would never respond to that love. I mean, that is risky. Jesus says, I choose you, <clears throat> excuse me, unashamedly. 
even if you don't choose me. It's powerful. True love is so vulnerable. Genuine love is so vulnerable. Excuse me. <coughs> Let me take a drink. <clears throat> he unashamedly chose us, even if some of us will never choose him back. Um, I was thinking about, you know, when you <clears throat> first like somebody and you don't know if they like you back, it's pretty vulnerable, right? Who's going to be the first one to kind of, and really, I believe that the boy should, the man should. <laughs> I'm old-fashioned. Even girls, if you have feelings, you wait, because the man is the pursuer, and that's how God created them. But I remember um, when Ben and I were friends, we were very, very good friends for a while, but <clears throat> he kept showing up in Phoenix, you know, and hanging out, and my heart was kind of at this point, like, I could go there, like, I could really like him, <laughs> like, I could really see this happening, but <clears throat> I knew that, you know, the woman never pursues, so he's not saying anything. So I kind of had my heart guarded because I loved the friendship, but I knew that my heart could go more. Okay, you following me? <laughs> okay. And one day, I mean, we always hung out in groups, but one time we went to the movies by ourselves, which we rarely hang out, hung out by ourselves, but we were at the movies, and I remember I was vulnerable, <laughs> and I put myself out there, and I just said, then, like, are we just friends, or is there anything more? Because I was sensing he was liking me. You know, girls, you can tell, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't say it like that? <laughs> I did? Sometimes you don't even know how you come across. <laughs> how did I say it? How did I say it? No. All right. Well, I'm going to say it my way. I said, is there, is there anything else or are we just friends? Nope, nope, nope. Just friends. And I was like, okay. Like, but, you know, it's like I hadn't fully gone there, so I was totally okay. And I'm like, okay, because I, I so valued our friendship. It was just such an awesome relationship we had. And there was a group of us that just had such a great relationship. So I was like, okay. But at that moment, I was like, okay, this wall is coming up and I need to protect my heart because I could easily really fall in love with him. And I surely did that. But, um, you know, God was so vulnerable in loving us. It didn't matter how we responded he said, I love you, I adore you, I died for you, just that there might be a chance that one day you would choose me. It's so powerful, and true love is vulnerable like that, you know? Well, you know, eventually Ben came to his senses and realized I was <laughs> his wife, and I was so happy. <laughs> but Jesus risked everything to come on earth and be 100% vulnerable as a human. That's what I just can't wrap my head around. He chose to come on earth and be 100% human to depend on Father God. The one who the whole world is dependent on chose to come on earth and be dependent on Father God to love us. I mean, that's 
that's a huge thought. I mean, that's a grand gesture of love. Is it not? In Philippians, turn with me to Philippians 2, verse 5. It says, and consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. I'm reading out the Passion Translation. He existed in the form of God. Another translation is, I mean, he's God. He's God Almighty. Yet, he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, say instead. He emptied himself out of outward glory, reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant, becoming human. There's an exclamation mark in my Bible. Becoming human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and obedient. He was a perfect example, even into death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of this obedience, I'm going to go on because this is so powerful. Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness and now been given the greatest of all names. The authority, the name of Jesus, causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone, everything and everyone will one day submit to his name. Everything and everyone will one day submit to his name. In the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, in the demonic realm. And every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh, bringing glory and honor to God, his Father. Powerful. Thank you, Jesus. Reduced himself down, emptied himself out to come on earth to be human. Why? Why would he do that? So he could fully understand what it was to be us. I mean, to fully understand um, Romans 8, I don't have this on the board, but let me just read this real quick because this is really powerful. Romans 8, verse 3, it says, Yet God sent his son in human form to identify with human weakness. Clothed with humility, God's son gave his body as the sin offering so that God once and for all could conquer the guilt and the power of sin. God sent his son in human form with human weakness to identify with us. So vulnerable, so vulnerable to be a human. And God chose to come on earth and be human, to connect with us, to relate to us, to understand us, to fully understand what it's like. You know that saying, don't ever judge somebody until they've walked in your shoes. He's walked in every single one of our shoes. Supernaturally, he knows, he knows. Okay, Matthew 23. I told you we're going to read a lot of scripture, but it's powerful, right? It's good. Okay, Matthew. Matthew 1, and I was just going to read verse 23, but I'm going to read more. Starting with verse 18. And this is how Jesus, the anointed one, was born. His mother Mary promised to Joseph to be his wife. But while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Her fiancé, Joseph, was a righteous man, full of integrity, and he didn't want to disgrace her. But when he learned of her pregnancy, he secretly planned to break the engagement. 
what a righteous man. Because obviously it's looking like she cheated on him. I mean, this is not good. And he had every right to bring the law in, and he did not. While he was still debating with himself about what to do, he fell asleep and had a supernatural dream. You know, God speaks in dreams. Listen to your dreams. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in clear light and said, Joseph, descendant of David, don't hesitate to take Mary into your home as your wife because the power of the Holy Spirit has conceived a child in her womb. And she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Savior, Jesus. He is destined to give his life to save his people from sins. And this happened um, so that what the Lord spoke through the prophets would come true. Listen, a virgin will be pregnant. She'll give birth to a son, and he will be known as Emmanuel. This is what I want to focus on, which means in Hebrew, God became one of us, or God with us, or God wants to be with us. Emmanuel, that is the name of God. You know, Ben was talking about last week that another name of God is the God of breakthrough. But a name of God is, I want to be with you. I'll become like you to be so close to you to fully understand you. What an an amazing love. Extravagant love our God has for us. Jesus came to experience everything we experience. You know, I was thinking, I was like, God, why didn't you just send your son like the day before crucifixion, you know, <laughs> or like a child sacrifice or, you know, why he just like lived this life. And, and when you read in the Bible, like he went through some trials. I think we kind of skip over how human Jesus came for us. We just think like God, 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 he came on earth as God, but no, he emptied himself of that and came on earth as human. And, you know, Jesus coming as a baby, like God Almighty coming as a baby. I don't think there's any state in life, okay, maybe a few, but what a vulnerable state of life of being a baby. And like Mary, I mean, she's a newbie, right? Like your first baby, you do not know what you're doing. Your second baby, you still don't know what you're doing. (laughs) Third baby, okay, all right, I think I can do this. You know, and then the fifth one, you're like, oh, all right, hopefully this works out. (laughs) No. (laughs) But I just mean like God, Elizabeth was like 90-something. I mean, what about somebody who was a virgin, never married, but like was around babies for a long time, really understood, like... This is a young girl, what, 13, 14, 15 years old? And God Almighty trusted his son, like Jesus Christ is like, okay, in the hands of a teenager. God Almighty in the hands of a teenager. Talk about vulnerable, right? Babies have no voice. They cannot protect themselves. From the very beginning, Jesus had to trust on his heavenly father to use his natural parents to protect him. It's so powerful. Being a baby is so vulnerable. And Jesus didn't just come to save us, but he came to experience everything we experience. He fully understands our pain. He fully understands your pain, your struggles, your weakness as a human. 
And he came to show us how to live a surrendered life to God supernaturally. Everything he did, he leaned into the Holy Spirit to do it. He had to hear the Holy Spirit. He had to hear his father's voice. And he had to walk out in obedience to what the father was saying. It wasn't his power. He gave it up. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're in the same situation that Jesus is now. Yet he never sinned. Incredible. John 14 John 14, starting with verse 6, Jesus was trying to tell the disciples that, um, I don't know why I'm going into the New Testament. Jesus was telling the disciples, when you see me, you see the Father. In verse 6, it says, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had known who I am, then you would have known who my father is. From now on, you know him and you've seen him. What is he saying? Everything I do, my love that you feel, the healing power, everything is a representation of my father. You know, a lot of times we're like, yes, Jesus loves us. I've seen, I've sung the song, but God, you know, that's, that's God. And Jesus is like, no, no. This is his idea to love you this extravagantly. Everything you see me do is his idea. I'm just echoing heaven. And it goes on to say, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. Now, he just told his disciples, from now on, you know him and you've seen him. And Philip is like, Lord, just show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus is like, Philip, Don't you even know who I am? Even after all this time, I've been with you. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking to see him? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say are not my own, but the Father who lives in me does this work through me. He's saying, I'm human. I'm totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. Any good thing I do is because of the Father in me. And then in verse 11, it says, just believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe it because of what you've seen. And then he goes on to say in verse 12, the truth is anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, even greater works because I go to be with the Father. He came to set the example for us that in our weakness, in these human bodies, we can live so supernaturally for the Lord because Holy Spirit lives in us. Jesus risked everything for us to be with us, to experience us, to love us well. You know, the more you know somebody, the better you can love them, right? When you know their love languages and you know what they like and what they don't like, like you just love them better as you get to know somebody. And he came on earth to know us so well, each one of us personally. He gets you. He gets you, and he understands you, and he risked everything. Jesus experienced everything we experience on earth. And whether he did it in his life or actually on the cross, he has experienced every hardship. There's nothing we go through that Jesus says, I I can relate to that, that he says, I can't relate to that. I mean, he had family issues. You know, Jesus was the firstborn, but technically Joseph was not his dad, you know, 
the rumor was that Mary got pregnant out of wedlock. I mean, that followed them. Not everybody had that supernatural dream that Joseph had. And so, you know, other siblings came. And his siblings did not like him. Actually, in John 17, his siblings mock him, make fun of him, and don't believe him. Talk about some family issues. And Jesus experienced pain, abuse, rejection, abandonment. His parents went on vacation and left him for three days and didn't even know. I mean, he has some issues. I'm kidding. I don't think that really affected him. He was so happy in the temple. But I'm just saying, have you ever been left? I think we only left one kid once. Caden, didn't we leave you at church once? At least it was at church. (laughs) Um, He lost his best friend, Lazarus. History says that his dad died somewhere in his teen years, and he became the provider of the home. I mean, he knows what it's like to lose a parent. People rejected him, mocked him. And then on the cross, every possible sin that could ever be done, he felt it all at the same time. And the father was not there. I mean, he can relate to us. And he did all of that. I mean, why not just a quick, you know, gunshot? He just needed a sacrifice. It just had to be a perfect sacrifice. Why was it so drawn out, so vulnerable? You know, Jesus came to the world naked and left naked. Talk about vulnerable because he loves us. He demonstrated his great love for us. Hebrews 14, I'm sorry, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Let's read that. Turn with me to Hebrews 4. Verse 14, it says, that's why we have a great high priest who has gone to heaven, Jesus, the son of God. Let's cling to him and never stop trusting him. This high priest of ours understands our weakness for he faced all the same temptations, temptations, sin, struggle, hardship, hurts, pains. I mean, you put it in there. That's what that word means. As we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of the gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we are in need. You know, when we're struggling with somebody, I mean, when we're struggling with something, isn't it nice to go to somebody who's maybe struggled with the same thing? Feels a little safer, you know? And Jesus is like, I know, I know. That's why he says, let's cling to him. He is a high priest. He's the one making intercession for us. And he's like, I understand you. I understand you. I get you. I get you. I get you. In your weakness, we cling to Jesus and we go to the throne of grace because we will find mercy there because he gets us. He understands us. He's been in our shoes. He's walked through with walking. There's nothing that we go through that our Jesus Christ cannot relate with. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. He went through great strengths to show us how much he loves us. Isn't that just amazing how much he loves us? God loved first. 
He risked first. He was vulnerable first. He forgave first. Not knowing if we would ever love back, if we'd ever receive it. You know, true love is vulnerable, and our relationship with God will never be genuine without us being vulnerable in risk. Vulnerability is the real us showing up every day with him. Vulnerability is that childlike faith that we are dependent on him. You know, we get so independent, and and God has called us to be these powerful, amazing, you know, disciples. But we can't forget that we are his kids, and before him, we constantly have to be childlike because we need him. Vulnerability is about letting the real you be seen with God. Vulnerability is what true love is. True love is vulnerable, and it's risky. Love is risky. Jesus risked it all for us. I'm going to end with a story in Luke. Everybody okay? Okay. Luke 7. And I'm going to start with verse 36. Okay. Afterwards, a Jewish religious leader named Simon. Now, Jewish religious leader, this is pretty high up in the church, and he has his act together is what that's supposed to mean. And he asked Jesus to his home for dinner, and Jesus accepted the invitation. And he went to Simon's home, and he took a place at the table. In the neighborhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets, known to everyone to be a prostitute. And when she heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made of alabaster and filled it with the most expensive perfume, went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader and knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all the guests. Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with the tears that fell from her face. She kept crying and drying his feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed the feet of Jesus. And she opened up the flask and anointed his feet with his costly perfume as an act of worship. When Simon saw what was happening, he thought, this man can't be a true prophet. And he's talking about Jesus. If he were really a prophet he would know what kind of sinful woman was touching him. Jesus said, Jesus, in another translation says, Jesus knowing his thoughts, because the Holy Spirit told him, I have a word for you. Simon, I have a word for you. (laughs) Go ahead, teacher, I want to hear it. (laughs) It's a story about two men who were deeply in debt. Two men deeply in debt. One owed the bank $100,000 and the other only owned 10000 And when it was obvious that neither one would be able to repay their debts, the kind banker graciously wrote off the debts and forgave them all that they owed. Tell me, Simon, which of the two debtors would be most thankful? Which one would love the banker most? Simon answered, I, I suppose it would be the one with the greatest debt forgiven. You're right, 
Jesus agreed. Then he spoke to Simon about the woman still weeping at his feet. Don't you see this woman kneeling here? She is doing for me what you didn't bother to do. When I entered your home as your guest, you didn't even think about offering me water to wash the dust at my feet, which is traditional. Every guest that came into your home, you would offer water so they wash your feet because there's only sandals. Everybody's feet are so dirty, no paved road. Yet she came into your home and washed my feet with her many tears and dried them with her hair. Say vulnerable. Risky. You didn't even welcome me into your home with customary kiss of greeting. But from the moment I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't take the time to anoint my head with fragrant oil, but she anointed my head and my feet with the finest perfume. She has, been, she has been forgiven of all of her sins. This is why she has shown me, shown me such extravagant love. But those who assume, assume they have very little to be forgiven, they love very little. And then Jesus said to the woman at the feet, all of your sins are forgiven. And all the dinner guests among them, um, all the dinner guests said among them, who is this man who can forgive sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith in me has given you life. Now you may go and walk in the ways of peace. So powerful. Simon, you know, Jesus, when he came to earth, he emptied himself of everything and became full of the Holy Spirit. Simon was so full of himself, so full of self-righteousness, there was no room for Jesus in his life. But this woman, vulnerable, risky, emptied everything out, emptied everything out, and she was filled with God. True love is vulnerable. We will never have a genuine relationship with God until we come to the end of ourselves. And, and it's a process. I'm not there. This fleshy chaos keeps showing up. And I had to keep speaking to it to die. Because we died with Christ and we're raised again with him. And, you know, some of us, we never experience this extravagant love of God, even though it's available, because there's no room for it in our hearts, because it's so full of our self-righteousness, or pride, or hurt, whatever it is. But until we fully empty ourselves out, vulnerable, the real us showing up to God in weakness when we'll truly be filled up with the power of God, the love of God that goes into the deep corners of our heart and heals all things. It just doesn't work any other way because true love is vulnerable. And I love Jesus never asks us to do anything he hasn't done first. You know, they say in parenting, kids catch more than what they, you know, hear. What's that saying? Or caught, more is caught than taught. <laughs> and Jesus knew that. It's like, I'm not going to just write a book and tell them what to do. I'm going to go on earth and be them 
and live through the pain, the struggles, and have to totally be dependent on God so that I can sit at the throne of grace. And when they come, I can relate to them. They can say, I get you. He can say, I get you. I understand. I know. That's how amazing God is. That's how amazing God is. This month, as we're entering in the season of Christmas, take time to adore him. Take time to adore him. Ask Holy Spirit, what am I full of? (laughs) What do I need to empty myself out of so I can have more of you? That's just what he wants to be. Emmanuel, God with us. He just wants to be with you. That's all he wants from you, to be with you. He just wants to be with us. He's so loving. Jesus is at work in heaven, building mansions so we can be with him. He loves it. He loves family. He's so relational. He loves you so much. Let's stand this morning. Jesus, thank you for taking the risk and loving us. Thank you for being vulnerable. You come as a baby, helpless, weak, to to show us how to do life supernaturally. Lord, we thank you that you get us. Like sometimes we think, does anybody get me? (laughs) And Jesus says, I get you. I understand you. And I love you. He adores you. And I'm telling you, if you have never felt that extravagant love, it's because you need to be vulnerable. (laughs) Let him in. Let him in. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your great love that changes us. I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, baptize us in the love of God. For those who are still feeling shame or condemnation, the lies of the enemy, I break that off you in the name of Jesus. Romans 5 clearly shows us, even if you're an enemy of God, you In your heart, he will never be your enemy. He loves you. He calls you friend. And there's even more. There's an invitation for salvation to be a son and daughter. If you've never given your heart to the Lord, if you've never accepted that invitation, having a relationship with God, would you raise your hand this morning? With eyes closed, would you raise your hand? If you've never given your heart to the Lord, Salvation is easy. He did it all. We just receive it. Okay, God, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for your love. Teach us to be vulnerable, God. We just praise you. And as we go into this month, God, we celebrate you. We adore you. God, I want to be like that woman who's vulnerable at your feet that I realize how much you've saved me from, 
how broken and weak I am without you. But with you, you make us great. Sons and daughters of the Almighty God. Pray for deep healing in hearts this morning. I pray for hope in hopeless situations. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.